You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Jumpert. All right, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass today. It is Wednesday. It is October 12th. It's a little bit of a rainy, a little bit of an overcast day outside here in Knoxville. But nonetheless, man, the excitement is sky high. The excitement is in the air because Tennessee hosts Alabama this weekend in one of the biggest games in Tennessee football in the modern era. My name is Rick Butler, bringing you everything along with my good friend Ryan Shumper of Rocky Top Insider. Ryan, good afternoon. Uh, really, I should say good morning. Normally, we're doing this in the afternoon, so I guess I got a little bit tripped up there. But good morning. How are you doing today? Oh, doing well. Doing well. I was actually glad to see wake up and see we got some rain overnight. Hopefully, that'll help my allergies. I think I needed to, to wash away some of the pollen. So I'm fired up by uh, some of the, I guess, what would be considered poor weather uh, that we're getting here <laughs> on Wednesday morning. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are probably in that same boat. And... I think a lot of people are probably in that same boat just considering how many outdoor activities are coming up this weekend in Knoxville. And I'm not even just talking about the game, which we know is going to be happening at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. I mean, right, we got a lot going on in Knoxville. It feels like deja vu of the Florida weekend all over again. We know that college game day is going to be in town, even though there's a little bit of controversy, I should say. Uh, it, nothing ever came to fruition over. It seemed to be a copyright issue when it came to college game day's twitter account taking down those announcement tweets but they put them back up they're good to go college game day is going to be in town sec nation the sec network's kind of spinoff pregame show they're also going to be in town i saw that josh pate uh his cbs show is going to be in town a lot of people once again all converging into knoxville tennessee this weekend It, it should provide for a wonderful atmosphere it should kind of like we uh, similar like we said in the Florida game where Tennessee's kind of the eyes of the college football world are on Knoxville and I think while in the Florida game that was partly partly due because it was a little bit of a weaker slate I guess in week four uh, that's not the case this weekend there's a lot of really good games across the country uh, Michigan Penn State uh, one of the biggest ones you got USC Utah big in uh, what is it. TCU Oklahoma State down one of the yeah that's two correct. of the top teams in the Big Twelve play, which heck the top six teams in the Big Twelve all seem to be pretty tight with each other in that race. There's gonna be a lot of big games in the Big Twelve this year, but uh, a lot of huge games, but none of them really bigger than Tennessee Alabama. And kind of to add to what you were saying, with the uh, this obviously isn't football related stuff, but the Vols and Lady Vols basketball teams while they're Market Square Madness on Thursday night in Market Square, uh, as the name indicates. And then again uh, on Saturday, both those teams will scrimmage at Thompson Bowling Arena uh, on Saturday morning. So tons of stuff, uh, tons of stuff all weekend long uh, around the massive, massive football game, which will obviously be the culmination on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and then real quick, we're, we're talking about SEC Nation, talking about game day. You you actually were just talking about it before we hit the record button. Can you go ahead and uh, remind me where is SEC Nation going to set up? Normally, obviously, they don't bring both shows, but this weekend, like you were saying, with it being such a momentous rivalry game in college, in the college football world this weekend, 
they're both coming into town. Yeah, no, it's kind of surprising because I had thought college game day was going to go to Michigan uh, for the Penn State game because that's you know top ten matchup too, and the fact that they'd already been to Knoxville a few weeks ago, and then I saw when we were driving or you were driving, I was sitting in the front seat coming back from Baton Rouge where. Like SEC Nation's coming to Knoxville. Like, okay, well, that decides it. You know, college game day is not coming. And then I keep on scrolling up on Twitter and the tweets for like five minutes. So apart from each other, the college game day is coming too. But yeah, college game day uh, will be at the same spot I was for Florida game on Ayers Hall. And then SEC Nation is uh, setting up in the Thompson Bowling Arena East Ramp. Um, so kind of over there on the Neyland Stadium side uh, of Thompson Bowling Arena. And probably isn't feasible for college game day to be there for how many people you'd have to fit in there. But I think that's definitely the cooler view. I mean, you should have Duvall signs and then Jumbotron and South End Zone uh, pretty easily viewed uh, from that set. So should be a pretty cool shot that uh, SEC Nation gets. Yeah, no doubt about it. It should be pretty darn good. And, you know, obviously there were so many great visuals from uh, college game day just a couple of weeks ago. So definitely looking forward to having that back in the city, getting all those uh, cool pictures and videos and, and just uh, the atmosphere, getting that back into town. But, Ryan, when you look at this game coming up at 3.30 p.m. this Saturday, Neyland Stadium, number six, Tennessee, hosting number three, Alabama. Ryan, you know, in, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever really seen a true third Saturday in October game. I mean, I'm talking about the ones that, you know, folks who are folks who have really been around Tennessee football for an extended amount of time for for decades upon decades upon decades the type of third Saturday in October games that they recall seeing that really built this rivalry and built the foundation of this rivalry so long ago. I, I don't really feel like I've ever seen that in my lifetime. Sure, there have been a couple of close ones. 2009, 2015 kind of comes to mind a little bit, but I'm talking about the pregame. I'm talking about the seven days leading into the game, all the hype, all the excitement. You mentioned it at the top of the podcast. Man, this isn't just a, a big weekend because it's a rivalry game. It's a big weekend because it is truly probably the best game in college football this weekend. You have two absolute titans of the season clashing in Knoxville. Ryan, when you think about this game, Tennessee, Alabama, where does your brain start? What, you know, there's so many things to get into, whether it's injuries, whether it's who or who uh, who will or who will not be on the field for either team. There's schematics. There's there's so many different things to think about. But I want to turn it to you. What is the first thing that you start to think about with this game coming up on Saturday? Uh, number nine in, in white and crimson. Just what you said. Whether well, Bryce is going to be on the field, because I think that completely changes the dynamic of the game. And, you know, I interviewed Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa news and that's uh, live on the site right now. And, you know, it's like a lot of questions I ask him, I ask it and I realize, well, I kind of, there's a different answer depending on who's playing. And, you know, he even gave me two final score predictions, you know, with Bryce Young playing with Bryce Young, not playing score prediction. And those were two different, you know, results. If he had Alabama winning with Bryce Young playing and Tennessee winning, if uh, Jalen Milrow or maybe even Ty Simpson, uh, plays at quarterback. So I think that's where it starts just because you have a guy that's a reigning Heisman Trophy winner in Alabama offense that's had some shortcomings this season. Now, they've granted they've had some injuries uh, the receiver spot as well. They haven't been 100% even besides Young. But even when Bryce Young played, uh, he kind of had to carry the offense in the Texas game. And, you know, I think it's kind of hard to know exactly what you have in Alabama because first four or five weeks of the season, that Texas game was really the only time they got tested. And then you had the two tests the last two weeks against Arkansas and Texas A&M, and Bryce Young didn't play in those games after, uh, I guess, the first quarter and a half in the Arkansas game when he injured his right shoulder. So I think we obviously know Alabama is really good. It's Alabama. 
Uh, we know that if Bryce Young is healthy, they're going to be one of the best teams in the country. But even there, I don't think we have a grasp of just how great uh, or just how good this Alabama team is. This is an Alabama team like last year who consistently struggled when they went on the road. I believe the Mississippi State game was the only road game they played uh, where they won by more than a touchdown. Or is this if they have Bryce Young, an Alabama team, uh, like a couple years ago with the two and Mac Jones is that we're, we're really dominant. And I don't think that's the case because I don't think Alabama has the playmakers on the outside. But uh, when you when I first think about this game, when I'm first looking at this game, uh, I think it all revolves around who who's going to be behind center for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, really looking at Alabama's offense, you, 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 you know, just even before this game, you know, you start thinking about it, you just know how important Bryce Young is to that offense. And obviously we, we saw Milrow struggle a little bit, uh, struggle a little bit last week. And we saw him leave the door open for Texas A&M in a lot of spots. So I certainly agree with you on that. You know, flipping the script a little bit, but still keeping it similar. Cedric Tillman, I think, is probably the second biggest name that people are talking about coming into this game, at least from an injury perspective. Now, we know that Cedric Tillman has not played since that week three game against Akron, making it three weeks that he's been out with Florida, LSU, and the bye week in between there as well. Coach Heupel talked about this on Monday. You know, when they got that surgery for for Cedric for that ankle injury, this was kind of the target that they had in mind. Obviously, nothing is guaranteed. Uh, a lot of it has to do with feeling, kind of what the uh, what the medical doctors say and how Cedric Tillman feels about the injury himself. But this is kind of the spot that they were targeting for him to play. Now, this is also two weeks in a row that Josh Heupel has told us in the media that hey, he he is able to move around a little bit. He's doing good. His his um, his mental preparation is good. So. Looking ahead to this game, I don't exactly know what Cedric Tillman's availability is going to look like. But nonetheless, Heupel has been optimistic about it the last two weeks leading into this game. And, you know, again, said said on Monday that when they got that surgery, this was the target for him to play. I, I think that he would be uh, a big difference maker for Tennessee. I think, obviously, we know how important he is to this offense. And we just know the kind of receiver that he is. We also saw last year that Cedric Tillman was really able to step up in those two gigantic games against Alabama and specifically Georgia. He's a big game kind of player. You saw it against Pittsburgh earlier this year before the injury. We know that Tennessee's offense has been good and they're not they're not afraid with Cedric Tillman out of the lineup. They're still going to throw it downfield. They're still going to use their weapons all around. But certainly I think that getting Cedric Tillman back, if he is able to come back for Tennessee, man, that's a big advantage for the Vols. It is. It's huge. I think it's certainly bigger than it's been in any game to this point where, you know, he's been questionable. We didn't know if he was going to play. And I think that's because Alabama's the toughest test Tennessee's seen. And this is the best defense Tennessee's seen. And Alabama has such a good pass rush that Tennessee's going to have to take some chances. And uh, Hooker's going to really have to anticipate a lot. And I think, I, you know, if you're playing Alabama, you're going to see a lot of press coverage. You're going to see a lot of physical man-on-man. And to give Tennessee won its best receiver back, probably you know the best receiver in the SEC, uh, and a second physical receiver more than anything. Give you two guys like Tillman and Brew McCoy that had that physical mold uh, who can really go out and make plays against press coverage, I think is a huge would be, would be a huge benefit and a huge plus. And it's even more important in this game because of all those factors I just said. And I think it's certainly probably close to a toss-up whether Tillman plays. I mean, I don't think it's – really one way or the other at this point. Obviously, Heifel said that he had that tightrope surgery in hopes and anticipation of being back for this game. But the fact that he didn't even travel to LSU last week tells us that he wasn't particularly close to being able to play last Saturday. So, And even if he does play, how close is he to 100%? That's another thing that I think 
or really applies to Bryce Young too. So uh, I think the injuries in this game are, are interesting because not only – obviously they're going to be questionable. That's the you – know, these coaches don't want to tip their hand, but these are two guys that genuinely seem to be pretty close to 50-50 uh, on whether they're going to be able to play. And if they do play and they're not 100%, what does that look like? Uh, I think especially for Bryce Young, given the fact that it is a right shoulder injury and he's a right-handed quarterback, uh, really – Opens a lot of questions and kind of gives a lot of maybe vagueness entering this matchup. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think just kind of expanding on your point as well, we've seen the Tennessee offense without Cedric Tillman, and it has still been good. In fact, it's even given a guy like Brew McCoy a, a chance to step up. It's given Ramel Keaton a chance to shine a little bit. So I think that Tennessee is certainly all right if Cedric Tillman is not able to go. But like you were saying, Bryce Young not being able to go. We've seen one week of what that looks like against Texas A&M, and obviously A&M struggled in a lot of places. One of the places where um, where Alabama struggled against Texas A&M last week was in the turnover department. Now, Ryan, when we were talking about the LSU game coming up for Tennessee, and especially when we were driving on the way to Baton Rouge, you and I were kind of talking about it. We said that, you know, ultimately there's not a ton of ways – that we really see LSU beating Tennessee besides, a, a, you know, a, apart from a Tennessee collapse, right? This wasn't a game where you could say, man, whoever protects the football is really going to put themselves in an advantageous spot to win. But I feel like that is true with this game instead, with obviously both teams being a lot more closely matched up. I think the turnover uh, department is going to be a really telling spot in this game both Tennessee and Alabama have struggled a little bit with that. We saw Tennessee put the ball on the ground three times last week. Now, didn't lose any of those fumbles, if my memory serves correctly, but still had those issues. Then that's been going back. Now, look, I know a lot of people have been looking at um, Hinton Hooker and his ability to not throw interceptions. I think a lot of that just really boils down to uh, Hinton Hooker's preparation throughout the week and just how talented he is and how uh, how intelligently he goes about his preparation. But on the flip side, the fumble is definitely a thing that has been a thorn in the side of Tennessee's offense throughout the season so far. So I really feel like the turnover department is something that could be telling in this game one way or another. For Tennessee, really, really focus in on protecting that football. You know that Alabama is going to come in. They're going to be trying to punch that ball out. They're going to be trying to, uh, to strip that ball out in any way they can. And then for Tennessee's defense, just being ball hawks like they've been, always being aggressive to the ball, flying around the field, getting multiple hats to the ball when they're down the field. All of those things, I think, can help Tennessee cause and force and recover those turnovers on the Alabama side if they come to be. You're right. I mean, it's a huge it's a huge aspect of the game. And I think especially Tennessee limit turnover. I don't know how much Tennessee is going to be able to force turnovers, especially if Bryce Young plays, just because this is – is it a, a superior pass defense? And I guess Flowers has had two interceptions now in the season, but there haven't been a lot of interceptions for this Tennessee team so far this season. So I think you're right. I think that's certainly a, a huge place to watch, and especially just with the taking – not fumbling the football. That's played Tennessee all year. And, you know, I think we talked about it where the way Hinton Hooker takes care of the football, Tennessee shouldn't lose the turnover battle because – not most times, more times than not, not even more times than not. So it'd be really rare if he throws an interception. But it, it just seems like the fumbles have continuously been a problem for this Tennessee team, and they've recovered more of them than they have not. So it hasn't been as big of a problem as it could have been. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of – you expect that to so, somewhere find that 50%, uh, you know, get back to the middle. So 
you're I think that's a huge aspect of the game. And I, I think one thing I would just add on Hooker at Hooker and not throwing interceptions is, you know, and, and everything you said was accurate, but there just seems to be such a comfort with him and Heupel and, and just how much understanding he has. And he just seems under control at all times. And I think that's certainly a great trait to have as a quarterback. And I think an even more important trait when you head into a massive game like this, where there's so much extra noise, there's so much anticipation, there's so much build up, especially from the Tennessee side of things, because they've lost uh, however many straight games it is in this rivalry, I guess, go marking back 2006. So what about 15 straight games that they've lost uh, in this rivalry? So I think with all of that hookers composure and hookers, just ability to be under control is even a bigger strength than it is every other week. Yeah, you know, Ryan, we just talked about turnovers being one of the kind of X factors coming out for both sides in the game. But what are some other areas of the field that you see as X factors? And you can go any direction you want. Tennessee's offense, Alabama's offense, Tennessee's defense, Alabama's defense. What is something that you are looking at for this game in particular coming up on Saturday? I'll give you two things, one on each side of the ball. Tennessee just needs to stay. It's a very similar script to what we talked about ahead of the Pittsburgh, really coming out of the Pittsburgh games. They struggled in it in the Pittsburgh game. That's staying ahead of the sticks because this Alabama pass rush is it's lethal. It's probably – they don't lead – they're not in the top, uh, top spot in sacks in the SEC, but they're probably the best pass rush in the country. And they, they kind of have this – I'm not sure what they call it, but three uh, kind of edge rusher set that they run on third and longs with – uh, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Jalen Moody, and it's really, really good, and it's really, really dangerous. So I think for Tennessee to put its offensive tackles, put its offensive line, put its offense in advantageous situations, don't be in third and long, don't let Alabama pin its ears back and, and go after Hooker, because that's when Alabama is at its best. I mean, that's when you really see the strengths of a really good defense, one of the best in the country. That's when they the strengths really shine. So to me, I think that's huge. I think that's goes into being able to develop the run game, uh, do, you know, by far the best run game of the year was the LSU game. And I'm not saying they need to run for 200 yards, but to consistently be able to get three, four yards when they run on first down. And he's been this for most of the season, but I guess there was a stretch of the LSU game after he took that big hit. And then in the Ball State game where he struggled, but Hooker needs to be needs to be accurate on those, those just quick screens and similar plays. They're not run plays, but they're kind of similar concepts of Tennessee just trying to get the ball into a playmaker's hand quick and stay in front of the sticks, pick up a couple yards. I think those plays uh, on both aspects are going to be really important. And then on the other side of the ball, I look at, you know, we joked last week about, or I joked last week about the uh, easily moved object versus the, uh, wow, well, I can't even, I've already lost it. it well, I guess it does doing the podcast in the morning. Throwing me <laughs> off. The, the easily moved uh, object versus the easily stopped force. It's kind of the opposite this weekend where Alabama's rush offense has been really, really good and really, really dynamic with Jameer Gibbs all season. Tennessee's rush defense has been been really good. And especially, I mean, this is, I would, you know, I think it's a key no matter what because if Alabama, if Bryce Young plays and Alabama can run the ball effectively, Tennessee's defense is going to have a lot of problems. And then on the, but let's say he doesn't play and then you can put pressure on Jalen Milrow uh, to make throws on third and long and, and to move the ball by his arm or, or maybe even by his legs uh, on rollouts or scrambles, I think that would be really, really beneficial for Tennessee. And one thing I'll just add, because uh, I heard Josh Pate say it last night and I've seen a little bit about it, is I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Young doesn't play if 
this is a game for Ty Simpson and not Jalen Milrow. I mean, there's been some whispers that uh, the true freshman from West Tennessee, who obviously considered Tennessee, Tennessee was high in his recruitment and ended up going to Alabama. If he gets a start, and I think that's because Jalen Milrow does struggle to throw the ball, or what we've seen so far is him struggling to throw the ball. And, and the fact that Tennessee's passing defense has so many holes and is really the obvious weakness uh, of this Tennessee team, I, I think that maybe sets up a situation where Alabama would go with the younger quarterback who's a little bit more polished passer than Simpson. Yeah, I think that's certainly a, a really interesting thing that some people have been talking about this week is if Alabama cannot go with Bryce Young or, or for whatever reason doesn't go with Bryce Young, is it automatically going to be Milrow? A lot of people have said, no, I, I think Simpson may actually be making a good case, especially kind of after what happened on Saturday against the Aggies. Now, Ryan, to, to just kind of, I guess, piggyback off of some of your points there, but kind of combine them as well. Both of your points included talking about the quarterback, whether it was Tennessee's quarterback and hooker or whatever Alabama's going to do with their quarterback situation. You know, one of the things I was thinking about this morning, uh, just kind of preparing for this game in my head was, you know, it, it ultimately it takes a great quarterback to beat Alabama. Uh, we have yeah. seen that time and time and time again. It, it's almost, you know, for this entire stretch that Alabama has been dominant for this era that they have been great in that is what we've seen it's taking great quarterbacks it's taken a uh, a Manziel a Watson a Burrow a Newton a Lawrence somebody of that caliber somebody who is just a phenomenal college level quarterback to beat Alabama I think that Tennessee has that in their pocket right now with Hinton Hooker just the way that the offense has been able to to go so far this season now obviously you know he needs help and I think that Cedric Tillman being back would be a gigantic help for that as well. But ultimately, I think at the end of the day, man, this isn't a game where you can definitively pick one way or another, right? I, there's not really a lot of things that I think of, and, I, and it makes me say either, hey, Tennessee is definitely going to win this game, or Alabama is going to run away with this game. Now, I think, can those things happen? Uh, sure, I guess there's a small chance either of those things could. But I do see this being a close game, a well-matched game. And ultimately, again, going back to the, the start of that point, you need a good quarterback to beat Alabama. I think that Tennessee has that. And that's not something that they've had very often in this 15-year losing streak. You're right. And, you know, even you started doing it. And, you know, I want to keep on going down the list of the quarterbacks that have beaten Alabama since Nick Saban's been there. Tim Tebow. Uh, you said you hit on Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. Uh, those are some of the some of the big ones. Uh, Chad Kelly, who had a re was a really effective passer. And then I you start thinking about all right, who were not who were the not great quarterbacks? Who were the teams with not great quarterbacks who have beaten LSU? And I think you have uh, Bo Wallace at Ole Miss. who was obviously had the whole thing, good Bo, bad Bo. He had had his good days and certainly was good that day. You go to last year, Zach Calzada at Texas A&M. <clears throat> Stetson Bennett, I think, would probably be in that in that camp as well, even though that Georgia team is – Georgia of the past few years has been the only team, I think, maybe since of Tim Tebow Florida teams that were just as talented uh, across the board as Alabama. And then actually maybe the other team that's been just as talented as Alabama, and the last one name I'll have, a real throwback, is, is Jordan Jefferson at LSU. I think he beat Alabama twice. So – Unless you just have talent with five stars across the board, you better have really good quarterback play to beat Alabama. And that's what Tennessee has. Tennessee doesn't have the five stars across the board. They're 
from a star rating standpoint, I think they're doing about to say they don't have any four stars or five stars on this team. because that's obviously not true, but they're doing a lot with less than an Alabama, than a Georgia uh, is. So to me, that's huge. And you're absolutely right. Hinden hooker is completely the type of guy. He's really the mold of the guys that have beaten that could beat Alabama because he throws the ball well. And he's also a dual threat quarterback who can make plays when the, when the game uh, breaks down. And I think that's been really important. And I think if you go and look, and Alabama schedule this year, I think that presents some opportunities because as good as their defense has been, they really haven't faced that good of a passing attack. I mean, they faced Texas with Quinn Ewers for a quarter, and granted, it was just the first quarter, and Sarkeesian's a really good offensive mind. I'm sure he had some good stuff game planned up, but Texas kind of moved the ball pretty easily on Alabama in that quarter. And since then, Utah State, I guess that was the game before, but Utah State the game before, since Texas game, Louisiana Monroe, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Texas A&M. I mean, Arkansas... I was a big KJ Jefferson guy before the year, but I think we're seeing how much of his passing success uh, was a result of having Traylon Burks and just being able to throw the ball up to him. So you look at those four teams, power five teams Alabama's played this year, Texas with Quinn Ewers is a really good passing attack. He got hurt in that game. Those three other teams are not good at throwing the ball. So I think Tennessee presents a level of challenge that Alabama really hasn't seen to this point in the season uh, with what Hooker can do and what Tennessee's receivers can do. Well, Ryan, really the only last thing that I wanted to get into before we get into some of the final thoughts on the game coming up this weekend is Tennessee safety Jalen McCullough. Now, he was arrested over the weekend. Tennessee is still in a fact-finding phase. And, Ryan, frankly, you and I still kind of are as well. Josh Heupel mentioned it during his Monday press conference, did not have too many answers for the media on Monday, but did say that, hey, Tennessee is still in a phase where they are collecting information about uh, the situation about Jalen McCullough's arrest moving forward. But I want to talk about what this means for Saturday. If Jalen McCullough is not able to go for Tennessee, what options do you think Tennessee has right there for that safety position? Now, if you look back to the first five games of the year, Tennessee has done a, a lot of rotating uh, on defense. You see it from the linebackers. You see it from the defensive linemen. You see it from the cornerbacks a little bit. Def- uh, safety, though, is not really a place that they have been rotating much, if at all. You've really seen Trayvon Flowers and Jalen McCullough be those two, uh, you know, those two end-all, be-all guys at the back of Tennessee's defense. What do you see as options for Tennessee, again, if Jalen McCullough is not playing for Tennessee coming up this weekend? Uh, I think you start with what the depth chart says, and, and certainly that's not the, the end-all, be-all, but Andre Turrentine, the Ohio State transfer, and Jordan Thomas, the, the freshman safety from Mississippi, are the two next guys on that. So I think, you know, you maybe see those guys getting off opportunities. Really, neither of them have played a ton besides mop-up duty this year, Turrentine a little bit. And then the other one that I look at as being maybe the most realistic or a realistic option is for Wesley Walker, uh, the Georgia Tech transfer defensive back who's really been playing star this year uh him and Tamara McDonald have McDonald's a starter but uh Walker's been getting a good bit of snaps in that star spot as well he played some safety at Georgia Tech uh he's a veteran player while he's not a veteran in Tennessee he is a veteran and we know Willie Martinez trusts his veterans I mean in a, that's a big reason why Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers have played some played so much this season is he trusts those guys not to have bust in the defense in the back end to not make the big mistakes so I wonder if Wesley Walker's the guy to go more to. And I don't know about you or Rick, but I don't think this loss would be as big as maybe some are indicating. Uh, Grant, you know, obviously he's a starter. He started a lot of games for Tennessee. He is fourth on the team in tackles. 
but I don't think McCullough is a super high level or hasn't been playing at a super high level this season. Uh, Tennessee's safety position, I think, is one of their bigger flaws uh, on the defense. And Trayvon Flowers has definitely been uh, the best safety to this point. McCullough just doesn't seem to be around the ball a lot. So I don't think that loss is, is maybe as big as some would indicate. But at the same time, there is so much unknown with what's behind them. I don't think we'll truly know that answer uh, until Saturday, but uh, I certainly don't think it, you know, he's a captain on this team. I don't think it, you know, it sounds as bad as Tennessee captain being out is just being out with a suspension is quite as bad as maybe uh, the headline would read. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right for sure. Or at the end of the day, yes, this is a guy who, has played the most defensive snaps on Tennessee's team in the last couple of years. I think he has the most interceptions on Tennessee's team in that time span as well. But at the same time, I don't really believe that this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of situation where if he's not able to play, you're immediately giving you know Alabama forty percent right for the for the win predictability or, or something along those lines. I think that this is like what you said. This is a situation where yes, this is already a uh, what's the word I'm looking for a susceptible aspect of Tennessee's defense, right? So how is Tennessee going to fill in? How is Tennessee just going to kind of piece things together in order to find production in that spot? I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, But again, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Andre Turntine may be a good spot right there as, you know, the next man up on the depth chart. Maybe maybe even a Danico Slaughter. I think we've seen him a little bit this year coming up. Uh, But ultimately, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, they're using a lot of pieces right now. We know Warren Burrell is not going to be uh, playing this week or, frankly, the rest of the season after having surgery. So that's another spot for the defensive backs that they are kind of piecing together here midway through the season. So no doubt about it, that's an interesting spot for the game. But I think you're right. It's not really one that is uh, giving the game away in either direction. But nonetheless, Ryan, any other kind of final thoughts, though, uh, on this Tennessee-Alabama game coming up this week and that we haven't been able to talk about so far? Yeah, I don't think so. You know, I, I I'll be interested to see just how Tennessee comes, how quick Tennessee comes out in this game. Because I, I do think I don't think that's imperative because Tennessee's offense is good enough that it can score. But I think that would be really big for momentum and kind of the energy in the stadium for Tennessee. Again, maybe not to get out to like a two touchdown lead or anything, but to be able to have some offensive success in the first quarter and not to get down uh, big in this game. So. Uh, that's something I'll be watching for, but uh, nothing else super imperative. Yeah, you know, I'll kind of even take that thought and as my own kind of wrap-up thought. Yes, I, I completely agree that Tennessee needs to be able to come out and not have a lackluster start. They need to have a little bit of fire, have a little bit of aggression on both sides of the ball. But, Ryan, I, I'll extend that out a little bit with you. I want to see Tennessee play a four-quarter game against Alabama this weekend because, ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I think that is what is going to – that's what's going to be – that's what it's going to take to beat a team like Alabama. I, I think you saw Tennessee be able to put LSU out within, you know, really two or three quarters there. Alabama's going to be a completely different animal. You're going to have to play four-quarter football against them. Ryan, let me ask you this question before we wrap up. If blank happens, Tennessee will win the ball game. Fill in the blank. If Tennessee stays perfect this season in red zone or goal to goal opportunities, this season they've been they've had first and goal seventeen times. They've scored seventeen touchdowns. If Tennessee stays perfect in those situations, if they're not dependent on getting big play touchdowns to score in the red zone, I think Tennessee wins. There you go. 
There you go right there. Ryan, we are going to have uh, predictions come out on the website, RockyTopInsider.com, a little bit later on in the week. Is that correct? That is. We'll have that you know, sometime probably Friday morning, maybe in the Friday afternoon. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have predictions. We'll, I'll have my three keys. You know, it'll be so, some overlap of the stuff we talked about this after this morning, but uh, plenty of content to get you ready for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm not going to give away the bag for us just yet. If you want to wait on our predictions coming up, again, they're going to be at the end of the week. I mean, frankly, Ryan, at the end of the day, like I need a little bit more time myself to figure out how I'm going to predict this game. I know which way I'm leaning at least right now. But I think at the end of the day, it, this is a different spot than Tennessee has been in in a long, long time. I think last week's uh, victory over LSU established Tennessee as one of the perennial teams in college football this year. I think it's no longer a, hey, they kind of got to prove it a little bit. I think they proved it last week with that dominating win. So obviously this week is going to be one of the biggest games in Tennessee football in the modern generation going back to the last 20, 25 years as well. I cannot wait for it. Number six, Tennessee. Number three, Alabama. Any kind of final thoughts from you? Uh, I'll just give a quick shout out and also, you know, a, a prayer to Emmanuel Mosley, who had a pick six uh, on Sunday in San Francisco's win over Carolina, but then proceeded to tear his ACL later in the game and will be out for the season. So shout out to Emmanuel Mosley for a big play. Uh, prayers to him for a speedy recovery. But yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a bad year for injuries in, in Tennessee players in the NFL. I mean, I think Derek Barnett, Juwan James, Emmanuel Mosley all out for here. Uh, Cordero Patterson has been injured. Alvin Kamara has been injured. I feel like I'm probably missing a couple other ones, too, guys that have, have really been banged up and missed a lot of time. So we're just, you know, a little over a month in the NFL season, and it kind of feels like the Tennessee guys are dropping like flies. Hey, injuries are just one of those talking points that, that get really, really common around this time of year, whether you're talking NFL or college football, huh? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think obviously Cedric Tillman's been a huge injury, but, you know, Tennessee has been they've been pretty fortunate so far uh, with their injury. They really haven't had – you know, they've had some guys get out, but too many out for the season. And I guess the guys that have been out for the season haven't been the guys that are super, super integral. You can't overcome a lot. No doubt about it. All right, that is going to wrap it up for us today here on the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. Number six, Tennessee hosting number three, Alabama, coming up this Saturday in Neyland Stadium. For Ryan Shumper, you can follow him at rshump00. I'm Rick Butler. You can follow me at Rick underscore Butler. But at the end of the day, make sure you're staying followed to at Rocky Top Insider on all the different social media platforms. We will see you after the game for an instant reaction. Thanks for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass.